Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code COLLEGEDRAFT to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it's Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast, presented as always by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, big player in the podcast game now. I love it. Ross Tucker football podcast, three days a week in the offseason, daily, Monday through Friday, once week one gets here. Even Money Podcast with Steve Fezzik, Fantasy Feast with Joe Dolan. We're rolling on those two shows, but I love this show, and I love the series that we've been doing because, to my knowledge, nobody else is doing it. And based on all the YouTube, YouTube views, Spit it out, Ross. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. A lot of you are enjoying it as well. We are going through every single draft choice in the 2021 NFL draft by division. If you're new here, go back and check out when your team was featured, when your team's division was featured. And by we, I mean the great Emery Hunt rising star. In the media, I say, I mean, look at that smile for those of you right now watching on YouTube. Great looking guy, uh, unbelievable breadth of knowledge. He knows every dude ever. The one thing I know for sure is Emery has no life. And I respect that because Emery's lack of a life helps my life because he knows everybody on the College Draft Podcast at FBall Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube. FootballGamePlan.com slash 2021 draft guide. He's already probably hard at work on the 2022 draft guide. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. You can always ask Emery a question if you go ahead and take advantage of any of our sponsors that either you hear on the show or on the sponsors page over at RossTucker.com. And Emery, I'm obviously messing around. You do have a life. It's a football life. <laughs> exactly. And if we're in this business, you want to do it justice. Uh, we both love this game. And so why not just pour all of that energy, knowledge and expertise into it? That's why we get so popular uh, with these videos, with this podcast. That's why I just consistently going up each and every week. Yeah, it's been awesome to see the YouTube views and obviously the audio downloads as well. 
This is the end. We got the NFC West today. And then next week, a lot of people have requested this. This is like, we're like a DJ, okay? We take requests. A lot of you have requested that we look back on a, a recent draft. So we're going to do 2018. Three years is a pretty good amount of time to have a pretty good feel for guys. It's also when these teams needed to make the uh, decision on fifth-year options. So what lessons did we learn? We'll look at Emery's rankings. You know what I love about you, Emery? A lot of things. But one of them is you say what you thought. And like you say when you evaluated guys that ended up being busts, but you liked them. Like you're, you're it's so funny. I saw on Twitter some guy was like, you are, you're a, you were a fan of Manziel? That's an automatic disqualifier, bro. Like, dude, do you realize that how many busts these teams have? And they've got like 25 people staffs. It's hard. <laughs> At least Emery admits, here's the guys I liked. Here's the guys I didn't like. And you know what? You're right more often than you're wrong. And that's more than I can say for some of the teams. But you just admit it. Like, life is so much better when you just say, yeah, I thought he'd be good. But by the way, as I'm rambling here, sometimes a guy's a bust and it's not even really his fault. It might have just been a terrible situation. And it's a lot of things you can't control. If you just judge Manziel based off the college film, how could you not think he was playing a lot like Zach Wilson? So what if Zach Wilson goes to the Jets and becomes enamored with New York City party life? It's definitely easy to do, and he doesn't live up to his potential. Is that a knock on his film at BYU? No. That's something that is outside of your scope as a as an evaluator, especially as a media evaluator who only has access to the film and not the other things that go into a scouting player. So when people say, oh, well, you like Dwayne Haskins, or well, you like this guy, like, yeah, I like this guy. If you tell me that someone threw 50 touchdown passes in a conference that never did that before and, and was a Heisman finalist, yes, he is pretty good. You know, so you now look at wh where he goes, what he's able to do as a pro, all of that factors in. So that's why I have no problem saying, yeah, I like this guy because based off his college film, this is what I like. And I didn't like this guy based off his college film, but he goes and becomes good in the pros. He can go either way. All you're doing is basing what you like off the college film. And, you know, you hope it plays out the way you expect it to in the pro game. But as a media evaluator, you only have access to the film. And that's all you can go off of. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing what how you would rank these guys for the 2018 draft because I didn't know. We weren't talking and doing the show back then. So I'll be curious to see how it played out and to go through it. You always forget certain guys. Today is the NFC West, though, in our series that's been so well received going over every draft choice because nobody else does and because it's kind of a big deal. It's the NFL draft, and that's the name of the show, the college draft. Uh, by the way, it's almost July, which means August is when we got college football games, like a lot of them, and August 24th already. It's crazy. All right, so let's start with the Arizona Cardinals. I think we spent a decent amount of time on Zayvon Collins, their first-round pick, although I will say it's interesting two years in a row that they kind of went with like a hybrid, movable chess piece linebacker as their first-round pick. Yeah, the NFL is a matchup game. And, and when you think about Isaiah Simmons, who was my number one inside linebacker last year, and Zayvon Collins was my number one 
inside linebacker this year. It's fascinating to see just from a traditional standpoint on how these guys will be deployed. Uh, you don't know if they're going to utilize him in a strategic or in a strategic way where they're going to move him all around and have him play different positions uh, depending on the opponent or in a traditional sense where they're both inside linebackers. Now you have two guys that are 6'4 plus athletic with range um, that can clog up passing windows. Zayvon Collins has upside as a pass rusher, and we know Simmons can go from playing, you know, outside rusher to free safety. So I just love what they've done with those two players, and I expect to see a much better season this year from Simmons, and I think Collins is a plug-and-play guy. So getting those bo- getting those guys on the field together uh, is just going to make things tough for teams uh, in, in the NFL trying to throw the football because they're both athletic, they are comfortable in coverage, and they can make plays on the ball. Round two was Rondale Moore, the wide receiver from Purdue. Round three, Marco Wilson, the corner from Florida. Yeah, Moore, you you think about this off. How many receivers can they use on the field at one time? You know, I'm pretty (laughs) sure the rules only allow you five eligible receivers. We're going to see if that gets pushed to the test, uh, if they put one of these guys at offensive linemen, right? Because there's so many talented receivers on this roster. And you just hope Rondale Moore is healthy because if he's healthy – He's automatically a, an instant playmaker, guy that could put the ball in the end zone. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how he goes toe-to-toe with someone like uh, Andy Isabella, who kind of has similar skill sets as a Rondell Moore. You just hope Moore is healthy so he can get back to what we saw from him as a freshman at Purdue. And Marco Wilson, outside of the, the incident on the field, I don't want that to cloud his career, but he's a guy that has good talent, good athleticism, can match up a physical corner, and I think people need to focus more on that than him tossing a shoe about 40 yards down the field uh, against LSU. But outside of that, this dude can, I think at least, at worst, he's a core special teamer. And we always talk about how important that part is to building a roster. I forgot Marco Wilson was the shoe guy. See, man, right then, people forgot about You won't <laughs> let it go, Emery. I forgot he was the shoe guy. Oh, my gosh, that game was bananas. Absolutely bananas. Uh, by the way, Greg Cosell on the Ross Tucker podcast recently was talking about the the Cardinals. He thinks they're going to do a lot of 10 personnel, a lot of four wide receiver sets, which is kind of, you know, Kingsbury's background with Texas Tech and sort of the air raid, which will be interesting. Um, they didn't have anything in round five. Round six, two picks. Victor Demichice from the edge rusher from Duke and Tay Gow in the corner from UCF. Demikijay is someone that that I thought was solid at Duke, and it's kind of cut from the same cloth um, and what they have in Devin Kennard, a guy that can play on the line of scrimmage, can rush as an edge rush, a stand-up edge rush. I thought he was solid in that regard, rushing from a two-point stance. He does a good job in flattening and accelerating to the quarterback. When he's in the two-point stance, he uses his hands very well, got good change of direction skills. So I graded him as a 4-3 defensive end. So you look at Kennard when he came out of USC, he was sort of the same thing, uh, just a solid all-around football player. And I think that for Demokije and for Gowan, for a taller guy, he's 6'2", about 185 pounds, 90 pounds. His footwork is like a, a, a slot corner, a shorter, smaller guy. So it's rare to see a, a taller corner with that level of footwork. So he can mirror and match. He does a good job in staying with the receiver. You can trust him on either side of the field. So I like that pick. I thought that was good value for them where they got him. Round seven, something tells me, maybe I'm mistaken, I think maybe you liked both these guys. James Wiggins, the safety from Cincinnati, and Michael Mennett, the center from Penn State. 
Love Wiggins, man. Cincinnati defensive backs were outstanding this year. Wiggins is someone that has some injury concern with the Bearcats, but when he's out there on the field, he's a difference maker. He's smart, instinctive, and is always around the football. And for um, uh, Manette, you, you talk about someone that's so, or Minute, you talk about someone that's so strong at the point of attack. Uh, you talked about his high school career, and you see that play out at Penn State, where he's you know physical at the point of attack, gets good movement in the run game. So I thought where they got those guys, seeing that they got those guys late, was big-time additions. And even as an undrafted rookie free agent, Lorenzo Burns, a cornerback out of Arizona. You talk about someone whose footwork is, you know, like the uh, Speedy Gonzalez or or like, you know, the roadrunner when he takes off. This guy's feet is always moving, constantly uh, in, in motion. And he's cut from the same cloth as the guy that was his teammate last year in uh, – Jace Armstrong, I think Jace uh, Whitaker from Arizona. And it's interesting that the Cardinals were able to tap that Wildcat secondary for two undrafted free agents who I had really good grades on. I had a sec, uh, uh, Lorenzo Burns, my number two slot corner. So obviously, I think they got really good value with him as an undrafted free agent. And in the depth chart, where that is kind of that's up for grabs, he has a chance to make the roster. Let's get to the Los Angeles Rams. They never have a first-round pick, so I can save you the trouble there. Uh, In round two, their first pick, 57th overall, 2-2 Atwell, the wide receiver from Louisville. I still believe in Tavon Austin. I don't care what year he's in the NFL, what team he's on. I'm going to always be a fan of Tavon Austin, and I always will see the upside. I will always see the upside in 2-2 Atwell also. Uh, You think about someone that is, you know, 160 pounds, maybe 155. You know, I know he checked in at one point at 149. It doesn't matter, man. You watch them playing the ACC, and that 149 to 160 is pulling away from guys at Florida State, Clemson, you know, all these big-time programs, Miami. He's having a field day. So if he can do it in college at the highest level, he can do it in the pro game. The question will be, where will he get that opportunity to be on the field? Because you know they will utilize him in a wide receiver run game. Um, and, and so I'm going to be watching for his usage in that offense because as much as we talk about Sean McVay, they still couldn't find a way to use Tavon Austin. So I'm going to be interested to see how they utilize Tutu Atwell. I love the player, love the talent. I'm interested in how he fits here with, with L.A. Round three, they took Ernest Jones, linebacker from South Carolina. He's a thumper, man. He's an old school kind of guy. He, he, you know, run and hit type linebacker. Uh, clearly, he's going to be a core special teamer. Uh, but when you talk about someone that ex- is explosive upon contact, like he arrives legitimately uh, in a bad mood. Somebody must, you know, piss him off earlier in stretch and warm ups because the way he goes out there and plays the game is exactly how you want somebody on the inside to play. Round four, they had three picks uh, Bobby Brown. D-tackle from Texas A&M. Robert Rochelle, uh, a pretty highly drafted fourth-round FCS guy, the corner from Central Arkansas. And then Jacob Harris, wide receiver UCF. Yeah, let's start with Jacob Harris. You know, he's a he's an interesting talent. He's one of the guys I would classify as an inside wide receiver. Could be a tight end, could be a, a big slot. You know, it, he's on that that spectrum. But he's tremendously talented, someone that can really get deep down the field, tracks the ball well, and plays a big man's game. Bobby Brown for Texas A&M is someone who played well on the inside. This is A&M defense, was really good last year, and should be really good 
this season, even without Bobby Brown there on the inside. But I thought he did a good job of holding his own at the point of attack. And the next guy, Robert Rochelle, senior bowl standout, but was also a standout this year uh, for Central Arkansas. And the reason why I liked his tape this year, Central Arkansas was one of the few FCS teams that played in the fall. And so they had to scramble and find games. So Rochelle played a lot of big games. Uh, they played against UAB where he had to go up against Austin Watkins, who we're going to talk about in a second, who's with San Francisco, uh, and, and Myron Mitchell, another talented receiver that ended up getting to the NFL. So he was challenged. He had to intercept that game, a, a fumble recovery for a touchdown. He had he checks all the height, weight, speed boxes uh, and went down to the Senior Bowl uh, this past January and had a good week of work there showing that it wasn't just a flash in the pan. He's someone that matches up athletically uh, to what you want at the cornerback position. Next two picks, Ernest Brown, the DN from Northwestern, and Jake Funk, running back from Maryland. I was shocked that not a lot of people were talking about Jake Funk. Uh, Funk has really good speed, good vision, good burst. Um, and I and I, I will say it, you know, because he's a white running back, they always want to say, oh, let's move him to fullback. Or what, what about his block? And like, no, this dude is a true tailback. And if you give him carries, He's going to surprise you. He's going to be productive. The question you worry is about the injury concern. He had those all throughout his career. Uh, but when he's out there on the field, man, you go back and watch that game against Minnesota. He had a really good day uh, picking and sliding his way through the line of scrimmage and showing that burst to get down the field. So I, I was a Jake Funk fan all throughout uh, his time with Maryland. And you also look at Brown, uh, you mentioned out of Northwestern, solid player, point of attack guy uh, that's going to you know, have to work himself into – you know, that rotation that what looks to be now a very solid front for uh, L.A. And and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention all of these. Um, Chris Garrett was another guy they drafted in the seventh round uh, who was, you know, tremendous at Concordia St. Paul. Um, you watch his tape, and he didn't play this year. He was a Division Two guy. This dude is consistently finding ways to be productive. Double-digit sacks, double-digit TFLs. I want to say his last season, which was 2019, had 24 and a half TFLs. He lives behind the line of scrimmage. And the Rams have shown a propensity to take chances on guys from these smaller schools, and they make the roster. Last year, you had wide receiver J.J. Koski out of Cal Poly, who ran triple option, but Koski's athleticism was something that you couldn't deny. He was a receiver that was the direct beneficiary of those one-on-one plays, and he was you know, making dividends for Cal Poly. Then you look at their linebacker from Delaware, who ended up starting and playing well, um, Troy Reader, who was tremendous at Delaware. Uh, and he transferred from Penn State, I believe, and then went to Delaware, dominated, made it as an undrafted free agent last year, started games for them. So Chris Garrett, core special teamer right out the bat, but watch him make plays for this Rams offense. I mean, the other pick they had was Ben Skoranek, the wide receiver from Notre Dame. Yeah, he's he's just like Jacob Harris. So clearly they're trying to find these guys that are, you know, on that tight end, big inside receiver spectrum, uh, move guys. And Skoranek, I thought, had a solid season this year at Notre Dame. Um, but again, you double down on that position, so you wonder, what's the plan here? Because you got two big inside wide receivers slash tight end types, you know, matchup nightmare type guys, kind of like what they had in Gerald Everett who moved on. But then you draft a Tutu Atwell, and you wonder, okay, What's the philosophy here? How will these guys find their way on the field if they find their way on the field uh, early in, in this career? But you know what, at, well, at least, at worst, he's your day one kickoff or punt returner. Before we find out how many keepers the Niners drafted, I got to make sure you all, everybody knows about keeps. And if you're starting to lose your hair even a little bit, 
become a Keeps customer like I am. If you saw me, I think last week on social media, at Ross Tucker NFL, I posted me jumping off of a boat. Yeah, you can see I have a bald spot. Guess what? It would be way worse if it wasn't for Keeps. Way worse. I can assure you of that. And the one thing I've learned is that most people, here's what I would say. Most people don't realize you guys heard earlier. Like, by the time you actually see thinning hair, you've lost 50% of the hair follicles in that area. When in doubt, start using Keeps. There's only two FDA-approved medicines. I get both of them from Keeps. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash draft to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash draft to get your first month free. Keeps.com slash draft. And by the way, if you're already doing something for your hair, then you already know that Keeps is way better than however you're doing it right now. Trust me. All right. Niners, we've talked about Trey Lance enough. Round two, Aaron Banks, the guard from Notre Dame. He was about number one guard, man. Dominant on both ends of offense. When you talk about running run the football, run behind Aaron Banks, uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see him start right away at right guard at least for San Francisco. And you look at what he does in pass pro. He knows how to play the hand-fighting game, so he's always going to be in a good position there to not get – uh, you know, swam over or bull rush. You're never going to move him. So he's just a plug-and-play guy. I thought that was a home run selection for uh, San Francisco. Two third-round picks. Really interested to get your thoughts on these guys. Trey Sermon, the running back from Ohio State. Ambry Thomas, the corner from Michigan. Trey Sermon's footwork was, you know, I, I love the classic names. We talked about him before, but feet like Amp Lee. Footwork is just outstanding, and that's going to allow him to have so much success in terms of this run game and his run scheme because he can allow his feet to lead the way, and his eyes are always working in unison in that regard. He may not be the most explosive guy, but when you have the vision and the footwork, you're going to find yards. He did a lot of that, uh, especially on the back end of the season at uh, Ohio State. And Ambry Thomas is a man-to-man guy, good coverage, uh, good press skills, uh, good man coverage guy. I think that's someone – that is scheme-specific for San Francisco, which is why they went ahead and made that selection. So I thought that was a very good scheme fit for the 49ers and what they look for at that position. Next two picks, Jalen Moore, the Western Michigan offensive tackle, and Diamador Lenore, the corner from Oregon. Jalen Moore, I had he was my 12th-rated tackle, so I had a 79-and-a-half grade on him, which is pretty high. It's like uh, on the cusp of – first round, high, second round, anything 80 or above, I would take in the first round. So he was in that high second round grade for me. Play to play, down to down, probably some of the most consistent tape of any offensive lineman that I watched. I'm talking about consistency. Everything that he did well, he did it every play. And so I thought, wow, this guy's tape is phenomenal. That was a sleeper pick for me. San Francisco got themselves a guy that I can see start um, down the line for them. He's got good athleticism, good footwork, good on both ends like Banks, um, but has the movement skills that you want to see in today's game on the outside at tackle. And Lenore is someone, again, you talk about someone coming from a secondary that has produced a lot of good players. Ball skills, ball instincts are there, 
athleticism is there, and I also feel as though the versatility is there. Uh, again, adding depth to that secondary with guys that can do more than one thing is always a good thing, in my opinion. Last two picks, Talanoa Hafunga, the safety from USC, and Eli Mitchell, a running back from some college I never heard of before. <laughs> University of Southwestern Louisiana, or more affectionately and correctly known today, University of Louisiana. Um, and I got I to gotta talk with some people to make sure everyone understands the abbreviation is Louisiana or UL. Don't come out here with that ULL stuff or ULala or whatever you guys want to use. It's UL or Louisiana. So not at that straight. Let's talk about the great. Hold on, hold on a Why not Lafayette? Because Lafayette is a college in Pennsylvania that plays Lehigh in one of the oldest college football rivalries. And Lafayette is also the city where the University of Louisiana is located in. So University of Louisiana, you could say in Lafayette, but don't use at Lafayette because that's not our name anymore. That was our name when we first changed it. We now own the University of Louisiana name. And so if because if you guys want to get technical, you better start calling LSU, LSU, a&M, because that's what their official name is, Louisiana State University Agriculture and Mechanical University. So, you know, you rather you take University of Louisiana or you're going to start calling LSU, LSU, A&M. So which one is it? You know, so Let's talk- go University of Louisiana. Let's talk about Eli Mitchell. Outstanding tailback, man. Burst explosiveness. He can beat you down the field in the pass game, so he's a downfield threat in the, in the passing game. San Francisco doubles down on the running back position. They got a guy with great vision and a guy with great explosiveness and breakaway speed. Those two guys are going to be two outstanding rookies. The only thing about Eli Mitchell that worries me right now uh, is that he's wearing number 49. I just It's hard to find success wearing 49 in the backfield unless you're Bobby Mitchell, but that was in the 50s and 60s. So we got to get Eli Mitchell a better number because his skill set, Warrants him wearing 20, 21, 28, 32, 34, any one of those terrific running back numbers, but 49 just won't cut it. And when you also look at um, their their other pick in uh, who's the last? Oh, uh, Afunga from USC. Everyone talked about him, and every, I hate that everybody looks at him. Uh, you know, you know, he has a hair come out the helmet, USC uniform. Oh, Palomalu Light. Like, man, let's stop with that. You know, he's good. You know, he finds the football. He's someone that can play strong safety, maybe a, a weak side linebacker. So he's versatile. He's athletic. He's a playmaker. You know, he's not uh, Palomalu, but he's definitely someone that's going to help this football team out on defense and also on special teams. And I also like undrafted free agents. Austin Watkins was one of my top tier split ends. Explosive speed to get down the field. At worst, he's your day one gunner, but he's going to help this football team out as a receiver because he's tremendous. This dude can track the football and, and go up and get it at his highest point. And Josh Peterson, we talked about him when we broke down a tight end position. He was a late addition to the draft class. Uh, his father is Doug Peterson, the former Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl winning head coach. Peterson is someone that had an up and down year at ULM. They, that whole program was up and down this season dealing with COVID. But Peterson is someone that's along the same lines of what they have in Ross Dwelly, um, the tight end there that's athletic, that can beat you one-on-one, has good acceleration to the ball. So two underrated, undrafted rookie free agents that should have an impact for San Francisco. Um, last but not least, Seattle Seahawks. Their first pick was a second-round pick, Dwayne Eskridge, wide receiver, Western Michigan. And I did the broadcast two years ago, Mammoth versus Western Michigan out there in uh, Kalamazoo. Great stadium, by the way, and great 
spread. Tucker spreads would do fantastic job out oh. there. They have a great taco bar. Out I think there. I'm. I think I'm doing like four or five MAC games this year. I might end up going to Western Michigan once. That's good. That's good looking out there for Tuck spreads. That, that's that's scouting right there. Scouting one on one. I'm on it. Um, but when he when I was out there calling the game, he was playing cornerback, and and so you saw the elite acceleration and and plant and go speed there, and they had him returning kicks because he had moved to corner from receiver. This year he moves back to wide receiver. He was the closest thing, I, to be honest, that we've seen to Flipper Anderson since Flipper Anderson. He averaged 20-something yards a reception. That is just dumb. You know, you don't see that nowadays. 20-something yards a reception when you're the number one option and they know you're getting the football and they can't stop it. So now you envision him and Tyler Lockett running these deep overalls with Russell Wilson throwing those beautiful rainbow shots out there in the Pacific Northwest. It's going to be outstanding to watch him play. So I thought that was a really good fit for their offense. Their next pick in round four was Trey Brown, the corner from Oklahoma. You know, feisty slot corner guy and someone that, yeah, he's built small, but he plays a physical feisty game and Seattle needs help in co- at corner. So as many guys they can get out there, it's going to be good. And Brown was one of the top slot corners in my opinion, in the draft class. Last but not least, I've seen some tape of this guy. Uh, I've seen some pass pro tape. He is a big dude with some nice pass pro. Stone Forsyth, the offensive tackle from Florida. I love the name, too. Yeah, and interestingly enough, this is one guy out of 254 selections in the draft, or 256, that I had no scouting report on. So I had I thought he was going back to Florida. I didn't know he entered the draft, so I didn't even bother to do a report on him. So this is someone that I will go and have to study. Like the the last team we talked about in our draft series is the one guy I had no idea about. I didn't think he entered the draft, so I had no report. The last player on the last team. What are the odds of that? That is funny, man. That'll do it for an. But I want to make make up for it right quick because I do have something on uh, undrafted rookie free agent Pierre Olivier Lestage out of University of Montreal, dominant uh, in the U sports level up there for the Carabins and was a CFL draft pick. Uh, he was one of my my intermediate level guards. And so he's going to get an opportunity to, to play here in Seattle. And Greg Island out of Mississippi State can play tackle or guard. He's 6'8", uh, 350, um, someone that has good athleticism for someone that, that it is that tall. So I make up for it by giving you two undrafted free agents. I love it. I love it. Uh, and I gave a foresight uh, breakdown a little bit. So we're covered there. I actually had seen some video on him. Check him out. Emery Hunt at F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter. Football Game Plan on YouTube. Ask and you shall receive. If you have a question about one of the guys that your team got undrafted for Asia or heading into the 2021 college football season, which will be here before you know it. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. you got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or in Indiana, one 800 with it. By the way, 
if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 